turn to the word of God in the book of Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 16. Ezekiel 11 and verse 16. The Bible says, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them off, cast, cast them afar off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. With the help of the Lord, I'll share a message with the title, I will be to them a little sanctuary. Can we say a little sanctuary? This is a promise of God to his people. Doesn't matter where you are. The children of Israel were in captivity. They were in Babylon. They were in the land of the heathen, the pagans, the enemy. But God said, I will be to them a little sanctuary. Take comfort in this fact today. Wherever you may be, whatever the name of the country, however hostile, uh, whatever the uh, amount of animosity against your faith and the name of Jesus, Jesus promises to be a little sanctuary where you are. Praise God. Amen. So, God gives his people this assurance in a foreign and hostile land, the land of Babylon. We may be surrounded by a sea of ungodliness, but the Lord himself will be a little sanctuary for his people. Praise God. Look for this promise of God wherever you are. Don't look outside. Look to the place where God will be a little sanctuary. Praise God. Look to that altar in your house. Look to that little church in your town or your city, wherever you may be. Praise God. Consider the tabernacle of Moses. You know, the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. The land of Egypt was had the river Nile. We know from their own testimony in the desert when they murmured that they had abundance of food. But now they were in the desert. There was nothing in the desert. No water. No food. Enemies like the Amalekites who wanted to tear them in pieces. But the Bible says in the midst of this most barren of places, what was called the great and terrible wilderness, the Bible says in Exodus 25 verse 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What a wonderful God we serve. When there was nothing in this great and terrible wilderness and the children of Israel thought that they're going to perish in this wilderness, they were accusing Moses of actually conspiring to bring them to their death in this desert. And lo and behold, God says, build me a sanctuary. Praise God. God will be our sanctuary in the most hostile 
and inhospitable of places on this earth. Praise Jesus. There is no place where we can say this place is God forsaken. There is no place in, this, in the face of this world where we can say God will not dwell here. In the most terrible of places, Jesus will be our sanctuary. He was a sanctuary to Noah in an ungodly world. In that little space of the ark, God was his sanctuary. There will always be a place, whether it's inside an ark, a boat, a whale. Noah pray, uh, sorry, Jonah prayed in the belly of a great fish. That belly of the great fish became the sanctuary of God. Noah did not, uh, Jonah did not pray anywhere else. He seemed to be averse to praying, but when he was swallowed, swallowed up by the fish, he didn't perceive, he knew the belly of the fish does not uh, spell his doom. He is not going to die then. But God provided that fish so that he could repent. Amen. God can provide the most amazing of places to be his sanctuary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the lion's den, God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lions. It became a sanctuary. Praise God. Daniel saw the angel of God. He said, my God sent an angel. How do you know? He saw the angel who shut the mouth of the lion. Let me assure you, it doesn't matter where you are and how inhospitable the place may be. That place will be a sanctuary of Jesus Christ. Make it the sanctuary of Jesus. Look for that sanctuary of Jesus. Praise God. There is always a place in the desert, in Noah's Ark, in the stomach of the great fish. Oh, hallelujah. No one can say Jesus is not in this particular place. He's not in this pocket of space here. No. He's everywhere. Even David said, if I take the wings of the morning, wherever I may be, in hell, in heaven, praise God. God is already there. He's even in hell. He made hell. Hell has no power over him. Amen. In the book of Psalms, 139, and if we read some scriptures from verse 7, Psalm 139 from verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely, the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light unto me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. For the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Praise God. Amen. 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 Let's say together, God is everywhere. He is my sanctuary. 
in the most inhospitable of places, praise God, he will provide a sanctuary. He will provide a table before mine enemies. In the valley of the shadow of death, David said, Amen. Amen. So we have no excuses, brothers and sisters. We should pray everywhere, anywhere. Hallelujah. Because our God is the God of every place. If in the desert, yeah, the great and terrible wilderness, God said, make me a tabernacle here. Who said Jerusalem is the only holy place? God had a tabernacle built in the desert, brothers and sisters. He had a, the tabernacle place in Shiloh, in the area of the tribe of Ephraim for many years, centuries. It's not the place that matters. It is whether Jesus is in that place. Your house can be the tabernacle of Jesus. Your car can become the tabernacle of Jesus. Amen. The most troubling of places can be converted to become the tabernacle of Jesus. Let's determine the places that we do not like, that uh, seem to threaten us, uh, seem menacing. Let us make those places the tabernacle of Jesus. Let us go on our knees there and say, Lord, I invite you into this place. Are you not the God of all the earth? How come there is this place here that is so menacing in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. I plant the flag of Jesus, the banner of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. So it was precisely in that alien and threatening environment that God said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So let us not be, complain and be overwhelmed by our surroundings. Let us look for the little sanctuary and enter into it. Amen. I mentioned Daniel earlier. You know, Daniel lived in Babylon where he had many enemies who were constantly scheming to destroy him. Most people would have panicked and run away but Daniel went into his little sanctuary in his house when the blasphemous royal decree was signed. The book of Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a full time. Here, here, he went on his knees. He went into his house. His house was his tabernacle. God had made his house his tabernacle. We thank God for the tabernacle that God has given us. Thank God tomorrow is Sunday and we will go to the tabernacle of the house. Because the book of Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, and he goes on to say, and all the more so as you see the day approaching. We see the day of Jesus approaching, brothers and sisters. We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves. God bless those who have come together to hear this message. I thank God for the people who are coming in from the nations of the world. I keep going in now and then, and I'm amazed to see how many nations that come 
and hear the word of God, uh, the list is growing, growing. Uh, every country from every corner of the world seems to be uh, uh, wanting to download the message. Message. This is very humbling. And we thank Jesus that we can edify, touch hearts and souls for the na name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So I want to now talk about this tabernacle. Let's look a little bit more closely. Let's enter into this tabernacle. Let's say we enter into the tabernacle of the Lord in the great and terrible wilderness, what was called the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle in the desert, whatever name you want to use for it. But what is important is what those items symbolize. Amen. And so let us all assume the Lord has invited us to come in and let, let us draw some holy lessons from that. Let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. The book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. The book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Verse 4, which had the golden censer. And the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. Amen. Once the noise of the outside world is cut off, one sees a golden censer in the holy place. This is what the writer of the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 4 says. Let's look a bit more closely at the golden censer. I want to share with you my screen and uh, apologies to those who are hearing uh, in other places uh, through the uh, recording. But let's have a look at the artist's imagination, if you will, of a golden censer. Look at that golden censer there for a moment. So according to the writer of the book of Hebrews, this is what you would find first in the holy place, a golden censer. Let's all say a golden censer. This is a, a golden altar where... As we know from the book of Exodus, chapter 30, God commanded Israel to burn a particular, a specific type of incense, which had a particular uh, mixture of ingredients. We know that some of the names of those ingredients mentioned in that list. God said this, uh, uh, you know, what was the word he used? Apothecary. This was a an ointment. They were no one was supposed to duplicate this. Uh, so this was holy. Now, what does that mean? Well, what that signifies is once we come into the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the first thing is prayer. Can we all say prayer? Prayer. Amen. Prayer. Somebody who would enter into this holy place 
no doubt would the first thing you would notice is the perfume the uh, fragrance if you will because this was a unique fragrance there was nothing like this fragrance in the in the whole of israel brothers and sisters this is prayer everyone's prayer is unique i cannot duplicate your prayers you cannot duplicate my prayers your prayers are unique to jesus hallelujah your prayers are a sweet smelling incense to jesus amen do not deprive jesus of the uniqueness of your prayers the uniqueness of the ingredients of your prayer jesus loves it jesus misses it when he does not receive that incense hallelujah god told the children of israel i you have not burnt incense to me amen god wants to hear our prayers hallelujah oh hallelujah amen the children of israel were burning incense to false gods in the book of second kings chapter 15 and verse 35 the bible says second kings 15 and 35 how be it the high places were not removed the people sacrificed and burned incense still in the high places in second kings 22 and verse 17 second kings 22 and verse 17 god says because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched this is what god told king josiah do you know it's a sin not to burn incense to our god it's a sin not to lift up holy cries of adoration love blessing tears it all is part of the ingredients of the incense that is holy that is only for jesus oh praise god somebody say praise jesus i hope this message will make you want to pray more want to come closer to jesus more the sanctuary is a place of prayer par excellence more than anything anything else it's a place of prayer in mark chapter 11 and verse 17 mark 11 and verse 17 jesus himself says the bible says and he thought saying unto them is it not written my house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves god have mercy my house shall be called a house of prayer i challenge everyone listening whenever you go to the house of god go down on your knees fill the place with incense that unique sweet smelling incense that holy perfume of the apothecary amen because that is what god calls his house a house of prayer more than anything that's what it is hallelujah a house of prayer so we've entered the sanctuary we are talking about the golden censer i hope if you just close your eyes with me for a moment and just feel in your mind's eye that incense that beautiful smoke that holy smoke that aroma 
that fills the entire tabernacle. There was no fragrance like that fragrance. Unique. The only place you could smell that incense is in the house of God. There is a unique incense in the house of God. A unique incense, which cannot be found anywhere else. You do not fi find it in the buildings of power. You will not find it in Washington, D.C. You won't find it in a Whitehall, Westminster, U.K. You will not find it in Germany, the Bundestag. You will not find it in the places of power. There is a lot of incense, but it's not of to God. It's not of God. You will definitely not find it in the concert halls. Definitely not in the pubs, in the nightclubs. There is a unique perfume. That perfume is only found in the sanctuary, in the holy place. Let us make sure it is that unique perfume. Let us make sure we have not changed the, the recipe, the ingredients. Amen. Praise God. Let it come up to God as unfeigned worship and love and adoration and tears and groanings and moanings, which cannot be uttered except by the Spirit. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Makes me want to go straight into the tabernacle and pray. In Jesus' name. When the apostles followed the Lord, they gave up everything. They took nothing with them because there could not be any distractions in that sanctuary. Remember, the apostles were called out to live permanently with God himself. Jesus is the true sanctuary. He said, let me dwell with them. And the Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Here was the living, breathing sanctuary of God. The word made flesh. God manifested in the flesh. His name is Jesus. That's why they had to leave everything. There, is, there can be no distractions when we come to the sanctuary. And I told the church last week, please, especially the young people. Put your mobile phones on silent. Bring them to the altar. Sacrifice them unto the Lord during the service. Amen. Let them rest and let them focus completely on Jesus. Give him a few hours of undistracted, you know, undisputed, undivided attention. Amen. Jesus deserves that. The little sanctuary is God's space. This is where he has unbroken communion with us. Just as the incense filled the entire holy place, our prayers must seep out and fill the little sanctuary. The thoughts of the world should not fill the space, but our prayers must rise and dominate the space. You know, God wants us to put the sign that is common in hotel rooms, do not disturb outside of a little sanctuary. Do not disturb. When we go to pray, pray, just put that sign, spiritually speaking, outside. Do not disturb. We are not sleeping in, amen, but we are on our knees before God. Such was the importance of this. Did you know 
that it was so important for God that Moses give undivided attention on Mount Sinai, that God did not reveal to him what the children of Israel were doing until the last day, the 40th day. Imagine, on day 40, God told him, uh, Moses, go back now. You have the Ten Commandments. I've told you everything. And by the way, your people are committing idolatry and fornication downstairs. Somebody might say, well, when did it begin? Perhaps it began on day five, day 10. We don't know. It doesn't appear that it began on day 40. But you see, God is always in control. It takes time to build the golden calf, yeah? So they must have begun sometime before the 40th day. But my point is, God is never in a rush. God is not a God who uh, stresses. He, he has shown us that what is most important is undivided attention. Jesus told the apostles, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? He knew that Judas and evil was coming. But what's important is to pray. Do not leave that place. Switch off your mobile phone. Shut the door. Lock the door if necessary. But don't leave until, the, until day 40. Until day 40. Until the hour is complete. Don't leave that place. Hallelujah. You know, Abraham saw God appear as a theophany with two angels. He didn't know the purpose of God's visit. But you know what? He left everything. He said, now God has come to me. This is the sanctuary of God. He begged God. He pleaded with God. He demonstrated his great um, skills of prayer, negotiation with God. He invited God in. Please be seated. His wife was preparing the fatted calf, the servants, and he was just sitting. He God ate. You know, Abraham didn't say anything. He with God. Can we say, when we pray, we don't need to say anything sometimes to God. It's enough that God is eating in your house. What do you need? Amen. We don't need to say, Lord, uh, it's good for us to be here. Let me build a tabernacle, blah, 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 blah. Just be quiet. Hallelujah. Amen. God is here. Enjoy his presence. God is eating with you. God is pleased to dwell with you. God is sitting in your house. Receiving the food that you're giving him. Is there anything better than that in this world? <laughs> no. Can you compare that to eating a meal with a president or a queen or a king? No. God is in the house. It is good for us to be here. Prayer. When I pray, I just pray in such a way that I feel God. I feel Jesus. I feel him sitting with me. Sometimes I don't need to sing. He's sitting. He's there. Hallelujah. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. The Lord is there. Amen. That's all. Praise God. 
you know, God forbid, the opposite is if the devil is in. You know, if the devil is around, people don't need to say anything too. They just know by the evil. But let me tell you, when God is there, you know God is there by the peace, by the holiness, by the awe, by, I mean, there's no words to describe. I was telling the church that the other day when I was praying after I finished, I just didn't move for half an hour. And I, I didn't want to do anything. It's as if I, I was in heaven. <laughs> I don't want anything to disturb what I'm feeling. It's like I just saw Jesus transfigured. And I don't want to do any, anything. I don't want to talk. There are places in God that we don't need to say anything. We just need to enjoy the presence of God. We delight ourselves in our God. Let's continue. The next thing that the writer of the book of Hebrews mentions in Hebrews 9.24 is the Ark of the Covenant of the Tabernacle. If you would go into the Tabernacle, the next thing you would see, he said, is the Ark of the Covenant. Let's talk about the Ark of the Covenant. Because these are the things we should be doing or seeing in, our, in the spirit when we go into the Tabernacle. So I talked about prayer. Prayer should be everywhere. Do you know that no matter what else you see, what you do, the incense is everywhere. So prayer is there everywhere all the time. But there is the Ark of the Covenant. What does this symbolize? Well, if the children of Israel ever forgot that they have a covenant with God, all they had to do was behold the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark was a constant and tangible symbol of God's promise to Abraham. This ark symbolized the promise of global salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Why do I say global salvation? Because in Genesis 22 and verse 18, Genesis 22 verse 18, the Bible says, God told Abraham, in thy seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed. Wow. In all, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. As Christians, we should take heart from this prophecy. Once we enter the little sanctuary and behold the Ark of the Covenant, spiritually speaking, God reassures us that many people worldwide will receive this salvation in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen? So the ark should remind us, because it's the ark of the covenant. God has a covenant with Abraham, that through Abraham, all nations will be blessed. Say all nations will be blessed. All nations. Amen. All nations. I'm sure right now, if I, I were to ask how many nations are represented here, we would be surprised at how many nations are wrapped. Can we, can we say the promise to Abraham has been fulfilled? <laughs> Amen. We, we sing a children's song. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons and father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right hand. Father Abraham. We are all the children of Abraham because the covenant God gave to Abraham is all nations will be blessed. And through whom? Through which 
child or seed of Abraham was the whole world blessed? Let's say Jesus. Let's say Jesus. Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. He is the fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is the sanctuary and Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. He's the seed of Abraham. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Hallelujah. So, this scripture clearly underscores the point that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. They look for this son of Abraham, this seed of Abraham, through whom all nations of the earth will be blessed. That is Jesus. He is a promised seed to Abraham. He's the son of God. He's the flesh and blood of Jehovah. He is God manifested in the flesh. He is the word made flesh. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. His name is Yahushua. Jehovah has become my savior. Amen. Amen. He saved us and he saves us every day. As often as we go into the tabernacle of prayer, the little sanctuary, we will spiritually see the Ark of the Covenant and be encouraged. Do you go into the sanctuary and see the Ark of the Covenant? I hope so. I pray so. Hallelujah. God has a covenant with us. Do not be discouraged. Do not doubt the faithfulness of God. Do not Doubt the faithfulness of God. The ark was meant to remind Israel. Each time the ark came out of the tabernacle, when Israel went to war and the priests took up their positions to carry the ark, once Israel looked at the ark, although the ark was covered, they couldn't put their eyes up upon the ark. They knew we have a covenant with God. Our God has not forsaken us. Hallelujah. Amen. Every time we mention the name of Jesus, we are taking out the Ark of the Covenant. The enemy cannot fight us. The enemy cannot stand against us. We have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is Jesus. Amen. Because he is a promise to Abraham to bless all nations. We have the Ark. Say, we have the Ark. Praise God. We have the Ark. In Jesus' name. There are people looking for the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know why. What happens if you find it? Are all nations going to be blessed through that Ark with the, the golden Ark of the Acacia wood? And I mean, so far the whole world has not doesn't even know where it is. So how can that box, that Ark, be the blessing for the whole world? What kind of covenant is it now? Who is it a covenant for when nobody can see it? It's neither a covenant between Israel and God because even Israel doesn't have it. And the world doesn't have it. But you know what? We have Jesus. We have the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. He is a promise through which God will save all nations. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Let's take care of it. Amen. Next, we have the golden pot, which had manna. Maybe before that, although we, we know this is not how the Ark looked, but just to exercise our imagination for the sake of holiness, amen, in, in, in the interest of holiness. Let's just look at this uh, picture here uh, for a moment. Uh, you know, it's not too difficult, by the way, to picture the Ark of the Covenant because we have good descriptions of it from the Word of God. But let me just share my screen and let's have a look at it. The Ark of the Covenant is basically a box, a chest that was made of acacia wood. There were two cherubims. And they faced each other. They couldn't even, uh, they couldn't stand straight. They were bowed in awe because between them came down the glory of God, the Shekhinah glory of God. What a powerful place. Amen. Jesus, the glory of God is in his flesh. If you want to know where the Shekhinah glory of God is, it is in that body. For Paul said in Colossians 2.9, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look inside the ark, you find the pot and certain other uh, items that we will talk about. But this is the artist's depiction of the ark of the covenant. Praise God. And there was a mercy seat between the cherubim you know that wherever cherubim are, you know that God is, is there. Uh, and the blood used to be sprinkled. Wherever God is, there is blood, brothers and sisters. There is mercy. There is mercy. God shed his own blood to show us mercy. Amen. God gave us his own blood for our salvation. We, we cannot neglect so great a salvation. The same right of the book of Hebrews. Whenever I see Pictures like this, I always am reminded of that statement. How can we neglect so great a salvation? How? How? May God help us in Jesus' name. Let us continue. So next we have a golden pot which had manna. Amen. Once again, to exercise our holy imagination, I like to call it, let us just look at this picture. We know that if Perhaps did not look anything like this, but something maybe close to this. The important thing is that we are reminded of a golden pot of mana. But just look at this pot. And God said, put this in the Ark of the Covenant as a perpetual memorial forever and ever. People must remember when they look at this golden pot, remember the God who provided for them. So let's talk about what this means. Hallelujah. You see, in the book of Psalm chapter 78 and verse 25, Psalm 78 and 25, the Bible says, man did eat angels food. 
He sent the meat to the full. Praise God. When we enter the little sanctuary of prayer, there is heavenly food waiting for us. Why don't you say with me, heavenly food? We are not going to eat normal food. We're going to eat food for the soul. Praise God. Amen. Just as the physical body sets aside and looks forward to meal times, it sets aside intervals and times for food, the Spirit of God in us longs for set intervals to enter the little sanctuary and eat the heavenly manna contained in the golden pot. Praise God. You know, when the flesh is hungry, it doesn't mind eating anywhere. And it doesn't mind eating almost any kind of food. It does not discriminate. However, the spiritual man can only eat at one place. There is only one restaurant that serves soul food. The little sanctuary. The place of prayer. And Psalm 84 and verse 2, David said, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the coats of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Wow, what beautiful words. What a man. What hunger. The son of Jesse, a man after God's own heart. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth. Why? For, the, for what? For the coats of the Lord. Why, David? My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. The spirit and the soul eat only the word of God. They don't eat junk food. Don't give junk food to your soul. Your soul cannot be cheated. It knows the difference between good food and bad food. In John chapter 6 and verse 27, John chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him had God the Father sealed. Oh, praise God. Which meat are we laboring for? You know, the Apostle Paul th talked about meats for the belly and the belly for meats. God shall destroy them both. The things of this world will pass away. Once we reach a certain age, King Solomon said even, you know, the tongue will take no delight in the, the, the pleasures of taste. Our palates will no longer be able to uh, subtly discriminate between good and bad taste. You know how incredibly blessed were the children of Israel. They ate food prepared by God. They drank water that God gave them from a rock. And their clothes and their shoes did not wear out because God was their Jehovah Jireh. He was their provider. He breathed into their clothes. He breathed into their sandals and said, live. Live, hallelujah. Amen. These were a people in the desert who were taken care of 100% by God. Don't let anyone tell you God cannot take care of you 100%. He did it for 40 years. They were entirely dependent on God. He gave them food from the skies. He gave them water from a rock. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He gave them meat 
from the fowls of the air, from the quails. Amen. God can give us anything and everything. We live and we move and we have our being in him. We are complete in him. Praise God. Oh, praise Jesus. Ah, oh, praise Jesus. He's our everything. He's our everything. Amen. We are complete in him. We are whole in him. Amen. Amen. Elijah, for three and a half years, he ate food that was given to him by a raven. Imagine. A raven. I, I can assure you, I've studied ravens. There are thousands of them around the place where I live. Especially in the wintertime, I've observed their behavior. I can tell you, these guys don't share anything. They definitely do not share anything with anyone. For three and a half years, God changed the nature of nature. He commanded a raven. He called the raven and said, you will go against your nature. You will show everyone that with God, all things are possible. You will share your food, my friend, for three and a half years with the prophet of God. Oh, hallelujah. What is next? God bringing chicken through a snake. Hallelujah. God bringing some beef through a lion to feed us. With God, all things are possible. Praise God. Hallelujah. A crocodile sharing some meat with us. Wow. With God, all things are possible. He's an amazing God. Hallelujah. After these holy items comes the rod of Aaron. Let's say the rod of Aaron that budded. The Christian who enters the little sanctuary often will be assured that God gives leadership with fruit. Let's say leadership with fruit. What does the rod of Aaron symbolize? It symbolizes, hallelujah, God, God's able leadership. Let me tell you, yes, Aaron had many weaknesses, but God has no weaknesses. God gave them Aaron as the uh, leader. There were people who were not happy. They thought, uh, this guy cannot lead us. Surely, we can do a better job than him. But listen, when God gives leadership, just trust in him, look to him. God knows how to make the leader fruitful. God knows how to change things. Let's look at this picture, an artist's imagination again. Uh, artists have all kinds of imaginations. I don't recommend all their imaginations. But uh, the, these are holy imaginations. So here is Moses giving the rod, the scarf of Aaron back to him. It was dead. And now it's, it has blossomed. You see almonds, flowers. And there are people in the background just marveling at the miracle of God. God has not left us with poor leadership. God will always remember to bless his church through his leadership. God bless the memory of Aaron. We know he had some weaknesses or character flaws, but make no mistake, Aaron was called and ordained of God. Amen. 
The Bible says in the book of 1 Chronicles 23, verse 13, the sons of Amran, Amram, Aaron, and Moses, and Aaron was separated that he should sanctify the most holy things, he and his sons forever, to burn incense before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless his name forever. Can we say amen? So the little sanctuary will remind you of the miraculous call of Aaron. God does not want his people to doubt and ask for a king, as they did with Saul, who was a disaster. The world outside the tabernacle will confuse us with the babble of political candidates all clamoring for our attention to trust them with the reins of the government. But the little sanctuary reminds us that God gives us holy leadership. Amen. Neither Aaron nor Moses could make the dead almond branches come back to life again. Only God could do this. So the church must always discern and confirm that their leaders' gifts are not natural gifts, but spiritual ones. Amen. Let's read two scriptures and we will conclude soon. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. The Bible says, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Let us always say God hath set some in the church. The gifts in the church are from heaven. They're not made in some university. They're not made in some college. They are gifts from heaven. James chapter 1 and verse 17, James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can we say every good gift and every perfect gift is from above? Amen. And finally, the writer of the book of Hebrews mentions tables of the covenant in the tabernacle. We are talking about the word of God, the Ten Commandments. So when you go into the tabernacle, that is one of the other pieces that you would see. Without the word of God, there would be no tabernacle. God can only dwell where his word dwells. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us in Israel because that was where the word of God dwelt. The children of Israel had the word of God. So it's not surprising that God came to them. The only material upon which God himself wrote his word were these tables of stone. Writing is an act of humans, but this writing was unique. God's fire wrote these words. When we enter the little sanctuary, brothers and sisters, we should be reminded that the word of God is not human thoughts and speculations, but divine communication. In the book of Hosea, chapter 8 and verse 12, God says, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Very 
sad indictment of the tribe of Ephraim in the Old Testament. God said, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. May the word of God not become a strange thing to us. The more frequent our visits to the little sanctuary, the more solid will be our grounding and the power and truth of the word of God. Let me conclude by saying, let us go often to the little sanctuary. Let us determinedly shut our eyes and ears to the noise of the world and behold God's holy items, the sense of prayer, the ark of the covenant of the promise of salvation in Christ, the golden pot with promise of divine providence, Aaron's rod pointing to divine enablement of leadership, and the tables of stone reminding us of the enduring power of the word of God. May the Lord Jesus grant us to be quick in entering the little sanctuary and slow in departing from it. Jesus bless you. Let us bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. I believe we are in the sanctuary, the little sanctuary with you right now. I pray for your people, not only those who are hearing this message live, but those who will hear maybe days, months, even years down the road, wherever they may be. They may find themselves in the great and terrible wilderness, but let them know that you wish to dwell with them in a sanctuary in the great and terrible wilderness. Outside there may be a hostile climate, a hostile uh, tribes, hostile tribes such as the Amalekites, but inside the tabernacle is the glory of God, is the Shekhinah glory of God. Jesus, may your people know how to enter into that sanctuary. And you will be there to hear their prayers. You will bless them. You will heal them. You will show them that they will make it to the to heaven, to the holy land. Amen. Give them faith that they will overcome every opposition. The Anakims and the Amalekites will be nothing. Hallelujah. Jesus Comfort your people. Help them to understand the beauty of the tabernacle. Help them to understand that our walk with you is not at all dependent upon the conditions around us, the names of the places or faces around us, but it depends whether we know how to enter into that little sanctuary. We bless your holy name, Jesus. You are our high priest. You are more than our Moses. You are the God of Moses and the tabernacle. You are the object of everything in that temple. You are the goal, hallelujah. You are the aim. You are the tabernacle yourself. I pray, Jesus, that your people will build a tabernacle wherever they are. And they will understand the mystery and the power of the tabernacle. Let them enter into that fellowship of the tabernacle from this day forward 
We bless your people. We thank you for your word. We lift up the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. Amen.